0: No place I'd rather be on this side of heaven than in the house of God. And you say, why? He said, well, I believe it's the closest place we ever get to heaven on this side. You say, why? Well, well we, we're in the midst of people of God, and we're worshiping the one true God. That's what heaven's going to be. That's what it's all about. And I love going to church. I'll tell you a little bit about the ministry that God's laid on our, on our life and the burden that He's placed on us. And uh, we are evangelists to today's young people. Uh, myself, uh, Jeremiah Simpson, my wife, Brianna, our little girl, Israel. And uh, what, that, what that entails is we are uh, evangelists to young people, but uh, it focuses on our public school system. And just to tell you a little bit about myself, uh, preacher knows, but I've been in church and just turned 22 years old. And uh, I've been in going to church for almost 23 years. You say, how's that possible? <laughs> well, I think you know how that's possible, but I've been in church my whole life. And from a young age, I had the desire to serve Him with my life, and I'm thankful for that, And uh, but I've always had the desire, and my heart's always been for young people, uh, so it, I, I can't explain it. That's just what I've always loved to do is work with young people, and I'm glad that God's burden put this calling on my life to work with young people. And uh, He called me to preach a couple years ago in a tent meeting in Yakima, the Foothills Revival that took place there. Over 200 souls saved, and about 10 called to preach. And when He, when he called me to preach, He told me, it was a clear as day that he told me, he said, son, I want you to give me a life and serve me with your life. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. didn't know where I was going to be serving him. I, honestly, I thought I'd be pastoring somewhere. That's what I thought was the purpose and the will of God for my life. And that wasn't it. I actually had the opportunity to pastor. I had 100% they voted me in. Uh, but I, did, I couldn't get peace about taking that church. And I said, no. I said, I can't do it. I said, I, I said I want it. I said, but I don't have the peace of God to do it. And about three months after that took place, it became evident in my life of why I could not get peace about taking that church. And it was like God wrote it in the sky, what I was supposed to do. And uh, doors began to open. It was a summertime, and doors began to open. It was last summer. It began to open for our church, thanks to Calvary Baptist Church, and uh, began to open in the public school system. And, and ways I can't even explain to you what God did for us. Uh, it, it is ways that it's one of those times that you got to just sit back and say, you know what, I didn't do that. I said, that's all God. And that's what happened. That's what we were experiencing. And it became evident that we needed somebody to be full time in this ministry. And that that call, and I told you, it was like God wrote it in the sky for me. And I said, yes, sir. And I learned that when God tells you to do something, you just better go ahead and say yes. Uh, Percy Ray said it like this. He said, God won't make you live for him but it'll make you wish you had. And so uh, he, he told me, he said, this is what I want you to do. And I said, yes, sir. And that's what I did. And uh, we've been on deputation for about seven, eight months now. And i tell you what we're doing now. I had to lay a foundation. I'll tell you what we're doing. We're going into our public school system, right into the classes. And we're doing and teaching a curriculum called Character Under Construction. And we go in and we teach character and morality and ethics to them. And you say, why do you do that? Well, first of all, uh, first of all, if we just talk character and morality in this country, I think it'd be a good thing. Because it's simply enough to say that our country's in a sad shape. Uh, man, spiritually speaking, it is corrupt. It's, it's, it's bankrupt, what it is. Spiritually speaking, from, the, from Washington down to Union Grove, North Carolina, we're just in a bad shape. What we need is an old fashioned, Holy Ghost, heaven sent revival, this is what this country needs. And you say, you don't believe You don't believe it. We're too far past a revival being able to occur in America. No, I don't believe it. I believe that we are still able to have revival in our country. If I didn't believe that, preacher, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. If I didn't believe that God could still meet with us and still show up and show out in a mighty way, but I believe He's still able. I still believe Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty. Now in Him that's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think, according to the power. It's all about the power that worketh in us, and that's what we're trusting in. We do. We go in and teach character. You say, what all does that entail? Well, we teach forgiveness. We teach honesty. We teach uh, how to be a good person. You don't see that anymore in America. You teach... uh, and, and we teach forgiveness is one of our biggest lessons we teach. I, it, it's one that just connects with them because so many people, so many young people, have been done wrong. They're holding these grudges and getting all hard and, and and just building old walls up in their life. We help them break those down. And you say, why do you do that? Why do you teach about forgiveness? And why do you teach about being honest? How, why do you teach about respect and authority? Well, that's characteristics that we find in our King James Bible. And that's what we teach to them. But I can tell you this, and being 100% honest, not go into our public school system, right into the classroom. And so there is limitations that we have. We can't go in and preach to them like I'm going to preach to you tonight. And I can't do that. But I will tell you this, in 100% honesty, at least nine times out of ten in every class that we go in, and I go into a school, I'll teach individual classes. I don't teach, like, the whole classroom or whole school. There is schools I do that in, but most of my schools I go in are Classes. 30 to 40 kids every class, and I teach about eight of them a day. And I'll tell you this, nine out of ten classes, I get to present a very clear presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? The devil is a liar because he's lied to me just like he lied to you tonight about nobody showing up, and you see what? what who's here. The devil is a liar, and he'll tell you, you know what? They've, they've took God out of schools, and they've tried, and they've took the Bible out of schools. They take. But can I tell you, I am a walking testimony to tell you that God is still in our school system. But you know what? It, even, from the, even from in Bible times, God doesn't just, it doesn't just happen. It takes a, a man, it takes a woman, it takes a boy or a girl to get filled with the Holy Ghost so that He can use them and show, and show out through them. And that's why, that's, what, that's why we see no God in our schools is because there's nobody willing to go into our school system. And it's open. Uh, it is open. I'll tell you a quick story and I'll be done. Uh, this just happened last couple weeks. School's over now. Uh, our summer is not a uh, summer off. I'll tell you just uh, real quickly. I got uh, Bible schools I'm going to preach in, and Bible camps that we're preaching in, and, and a Bible camp that's all summer long that I've had the opportunity to preach in, uh, like twice a week, a full devotion service. So God's still opening doors for our summer, not just our fall and spring. But uh, we, uh, last couple weeks in, in Elkin up there in the little elementary school, uh, we were able to go in and we teach we teach in that school four days a month and we talked that day we was teaching these second graders about people that makes a difference in your life and what you do is you you teach thought prodding lessons you say why is that because if a kid says something a student says something then you've got free reign to answer however you want to answer so we was talking teaching about people that make a difference in your life and we started talking i said this long story short and I got to talking, asking those kids to tell me about people in their life that make a difference for them and have made an impact in their life. And oh, man, you get second graders, first, second, third graders talking. You'll be there all day. I'm telling you, trust me. And they get to talking. And one over here says, "My mom," and one over here says, "My daddy." They make a difference in my life. And over here, a school teacher. Or over here, a pastor or their Sunday school teacher. And you'd be amazed how many say that. And their pastor makes a difference in their life. And then a little old girl back in the back about seven, eight years old all. She said, Jesus makes a difference in my life. And I said, yes, ma'am, you're exactly right. And I said, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And she did. And she, she talked about how many, many years ago on a hill called Calvary, that Jesus went and died for her sins so that she don't have to go to a place called hell that she can spend eternity in heaven with him. And I said, and, he said, and she said, if I just believe in it, and I said, well, have you? And she said, "Yeah." She said, I'm saved. And I said, you are. I said, uh, is there anybody else? We had invitation right there in the school room. I said, is there anybody else that's ever been saved? And about 75% of those hands went up. And I said, is there anybody here that's never been saved? If you've not done that, what she was talking about. And they said, there's a couple hands went up. And before all this happened, and the little this one started talking about how Jesus went to Calvary for her. And then over here, there's a little old boy started raising his hand. And he said, I think i got a Bible verse that goes with that. I said, what's that? He said, well, it goes like this. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I said, yeah, that's right. I said, does anybody else know that verse in here? And the whole class started quoting John three sixteen right there in elementary school. But I gave that invitation is what I did right there in the school And right there in the classroom, and uh, two hands went up, said that they didn't know that they were saved. Didn't understand. And and we said, after class, come up to me. We had about 15 minutes in between. I said, come up to me, and we can talk about that more. After class, a little boy and a little girl came up to me right there in the school and accepted Christ as their personal Savior. And that's just one of many stories I could tell you tonight. But the devil's a liar. He is. And I'm glad that still in a school in North Carolina, we're still seeing God move and seeing souls saved right there in the schoolroom of a man. that don't stir your heart, man, I don't know what man in my heart's doing cartwheels, the Holy Ghost saying, yeah, that's right, That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know, we're here for, one, for just a couple reasons why I believe we're left here to magnify His name. And to 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 go and show the gospel, to preach the gospel, and to see souls saved—that's what it's all about. So I ask you, church, to pray for us. Uh, everywhere I go, they say, "What do you need?" Oh, well, I need two things: two things that make this ministry a success. First of all, I need prayer. And churches like yours, churches like mine, local churches here around North Carolina, to pray for this, pray for this ministry, because uh, nothing will be accomplished—no amount of money, no amount of talent, uh, no. Uh, availability or capability of myself will make this ministry a success it's only through prayer and of God's people and then the second thing we need is support and so I ask you prayerfully consider us to partner with us with not only your prayer your support as well and I'm telling you I say like Nehemiah said they strengthened their hands for this good work this ministry is a good work and I'm thankful I would have went anywhere preacher I really would have and I, I I say that uh, I, I, I'm honest. I would have went anywhere he told me to go, but I'm thankful that he's letting me serve him in my hometown and, and towns right around us, right in our back door here. I'm thankful for the opportunity. So you, you pray for us as we embark on that journey that God has for our life. Thank you, preacher, for letting me share just a little bit about the ministry. And uh, I'm going to try to preach just a little bit to you. If you got your Bibles, take your Bible to the book of John book of John, chapter number 4. I love these two chapters here that are back-to-back, John 3 and John 4. It shows us a picture. It's not what I'm preaching on, but John 3 and 4 shows us a picture of two different salvations. And it shows how God's love is so great because in chapter 3 of John, Nicodemus gets saved. Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He knew just as much about the Bible as any of us sitting here tonight. And then in chapter 4, we see the woman at the well get saved. She was nothing but old... Oh, wretched sinner. And we see that no matter if you are in church your whole life, or no matter if you have lived in the world your whole life, it does not matter. The same blood saves us both. I love love the comparison in John 3 and John 4. That's not what I'm preaching on. I'd like to, but that's not what I'm preaching on tonight. But if you got your place there in John chapter 4, let's all stand out of respect and reverence for the Word of God, and we'll begin reading in John 4 verse 23. But the hour cometh, and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. And for the Father seeketh such to worship him. And God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah is coming, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. Man, what a, I wonder what she thought then. Uh-oh. That, that's him, and, uh, and upon this came his disciples, and marveled that he talked with the woman, yet no man said, what seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her, and the woman then left her water pot, and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, come, and, come see a man, which told me all things that ever I did, is not this the Christ, and they went out of the city, and came unto him. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for loving me. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Lord, just for a little while, Lord, help us to get our minds off the things uh, that we got to do after church or what we have to do tomorrow. Lord, help us to get our mind on your word and Lord, what you have for us tonight. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to stand and preach tonight. Thank you, Lord, for Brother Pope. Thank you, Lord, for Calvary Baptist Church. Thank you, Lord, for what they mean to us. Lord, I thank you for what they stand for. Lord, we'll love you. Lord, we'll thank you, God, for all you're going to do for us. And it's your precious and holy word name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. May we be seated. Now, of all the personal encounters of the Lord Jesus that we see in Scripture, I think this one right here might be one of my personal favorites. In this passage, Jesus displays his love for the lost sinner. And he shows those who would be witnesses how to go about the business of sharing the gospel. And one sure way, I would say, one sure way to learn how to tell others about Jesus is to watch how the Master did it himself. I love that Jesus, he he, he puts us a pathway. He shows us how to live. In his life, he shows us how to live. And he showed us how to be a witness here in this scripture. The main character in this passage, other than Jesus himself, is a woman with low morals. It's a woman with a bad reputation. And she is in fact such a wicked woman that she came to Jacob's well to get water at noon. That that doesn't make. Why does that show that she's a wicked woman? Well, it's the hottest part of the day. I mean, it was the hottest part. And you say that don't make any sense. Well, if you study the history and the customs of this time, that custom of it was the custom of the women was to come early in the morning or late in the evening. So why is she there? She's supposed to come early. Or she's supposed to come late. Well, not only were they there to get water, but most of the time, the women that came to get water here at this well, it was a time for them to catch up on their gossip. It's really what, That's what history tells us. It was a time for them to get around and just talk about what everybody else was doing. I know we don't do that nowadays. Lord have mercy. Oh, no, not, not in our 2018 sophisticated. Yeah, man, no, no not now. Yeah. But that's what it was then. I ain't going to preach on that tonight. But well, that's what it was then. They got around, and they just wanted to talk about everybody. And they wanted to get around and see what the buzz was and get and talk about what was happening. And history tells us that. And in verse 18 tells us why she probably wasn't there early or wasn't there late in the evening. Verse 18, And for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that says thou truly... So that's probably why she wasn't there. You know, in fact, she probably was the, uh, the text of their gossip a whole lot of the time. Y'all know that old lady? She's had five husbands. And that, that man she's got now, he, she ain't even married to him. That's probably why she went hot in the middle of the day. The hottest part of the day, she went out of her way because she didn't want to be embarrassed. She was embarrassed of herself. That's what history tells us. That's what her action tells us. She was a subject of their gospel. I believe that. I believe that they, the, the reason that she didn't go during that time where all them other ladies were there is because she was ashamed of the lifestyle that she had lived. And I believe that we can say that it wasn't very hard for her to meet men. It, probably, it really ain't. She's already had five husbands. She's not married to the one she's living with. But when she arrives at the well this day, she meets a man like no other man. She meets a man. Like no other man, this no, this man was uh, not trying to take advantage of her. This man was not looking to please his own desires, fulfill his own his own lust. This man was here to help. This man that she meets there was there to show her the light. This man was Jesus. And I'm glad that I've met a lot of people in my life, some people that want to take advantage of me, some people that just wanted to gossip about me, but I'm glad there was a day, June 22, 2013, that I met a man that wasn't there to gossip about me, wasn't there to just, to just fulfill his own pleasure, but that he was there to help me, and he was there to save me from a devil's hell. I'm glad that I met the man that she met in our text, and I met that man named Jesus. And that man tells her about an everlasting well of water, for when she can take one drink and never thirst again. And she hears about the true path of salvation. And she gets saved by the good grace of God. And I'm glad that our Lord Jesus Christ, I'm glad that he told me about the well. I'm glad that he told me that there's some water that I can drink and never thirst again. I'm glad that my soul is satisfied by that well that Lord Jesus tells us about. And this story, what I want to preach tonight, is a story that shows us a picture of a beautiful faith, of pure faith. It is just pure faith. That's what I want to preach. This woman has heard the gospel. She has believed. She's saved by the grace of God. And she's a new babe in Christ. And here is a woman who is freshly saved. She's just been saved. Her faith has not had time to become jaded and tired. Her faith has not yet become tarnished by this world. We have the opportunity to look at faith as it appears fresh from the womb of grace. Many Christians today have lost the luster of faith. Their faith has been weakened. Their faith has been destabilized. It's wobbling. They're not as strong as they once were. And their faith, because of this world, has been diluted. The faith that we have sometimes can be undermined. But we see in our text the basics of faith. And I want to preach tonight simply getting back to the basics. Getting back to the basics. I want to preach tonight a very simple thought of just pure faith. What our faith is supposed to be from what we see, the woman at the well. First of all, I want to show you that getting back to the basics, the basics of our faith, that our faith needs to be a simple faith. Pure faith is simple. It's not complicated. It's very simple. I'm amazed at how many people in in this day did not believe in Jesus. It blows my mind. Uh, In the book of John, chapter number 1, it said that he came into his own and his own received him not. It blows my mind that the Messiah, the Christ, came and many, many, many did not believe in him. You know, he came to them. He demonstrated his power to them. He proved his worth by signs and miracles. They still doubted him, still criticized him. He had perfectly fulfilled the prophecies of the Messiah. And yet they did did not believe in him. They rejected him. And here's a woman of dishonor. Here's a woman of disgrace. Here's a child of the hated race of the Samaritans. Here's an outcast. She's an outsider. That's what she is. That's why she went in the middle of the day, remember? She was ashamed. She's an outsider. She don't fit in with everybody else. Here's a woman that is an outsider, an outcast, but she hears the word of God and she believes. It's so simple. Did you know that there's no miracles that take place this day? We want to think sometimes that we there gotta be some flashing lights that we gotta like see the light. Not you know, there are stories like that, like the apostle Paul. On the road to Damascus, the light shined out of heaven. And there are times like that. But that's not what saved Paul. It wasn't that boom. That didn't save Paul. It was his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just like this lady here in John chapter 4. There was no water turned into wine this day that saved her. There was was no demons that were cast out of her life. There was no multitudes that are fed with a little bread and, and just a few little fish. Nobody walks on the water. Nobody's raised from the dead. She simply hears the truth, and she believes it, and she's saved. It's that simple. Uh, this newfound, uh, newfound, uh, whatever you want to call it, this contemporary stuff that's going around—it it doesn't take some crazy amount of uh, theatrics to get somebody saved. This preacher—they, there's—I believe that there's still a, a, a group of people out here that are longing for old-time religion. It doesn't take some uh, a fog machine to, uh, and introduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, Steve. But it don't take that. Right. It is so simple. And I believe we just need to get back to the basics of our faith and basics of salvation. She simply hears the Bible. Here's the word. Here's the truth. And she believes it. I love how beautiful this picture is. And I think we many times complicate salvation and complicate our faith. but if you go, let me read you Matthew 18. Matthew 18, At the same time came the disciples unto Jesus, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. You say, what does that mean? Well, I see it a lot because I work with children a lot in schools and stuff. Do you know that a child at any point could come up and say something that would actually make you take a back seat? It just comes out of nowhere. You know what it's right. called? It's called brutally honest. They'll absolutely come out of left field and just wipe you out with something. They got Man, you you just need to be quiet. That's the Man, you need to straighten your tie. They'll say anything. They don't care. They don't care what you think. They really don't. Uh, They just say it. That's just. uh, They're being blunt. They're just being. Just that's just what they are. They don't understand all this thing of being modest and, and being reserved. you say why did Jesus say that the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is of a child? Well, what he's meaning is this: is that we're to lose all pretense. We're to be open. We're to be honest with him. We're to simply believe him. By faith. Yes. Ch- that's why it's a childlike faith. That's what we hear. That's what it is. And that's, I, I've led, I've led uh, people to the Lord that are older in their years. And I've led children to the Lord. It doesn't matter where you're at in life. The Bible says in Romans that he's no respecter of persons. Doesn't mean you have to be some smart man to understand the gospel. I'm glad it's not that because I probably wouldn't be able to be saved. It, you don't, it's not anything about you. It's simply just believe the word. Yeah, man, it's that simple. And I believe that we need to get back to that, just not complicate faith and just simplify it. And that's what pure faith is. It's simple faith. Saving faith is simple. The word of God tells us that you're a sinner. The word of God tells us that he's a savior and you need him. The word of God tells you believe and receive. And I'm glad that this thing of faith is not some complicated thing, but it's simple. Not only do we see that pure faith is simple faith, but secondly, I want to show you that pure faith is sincere faith. It's sincere faith. She meets Jesus. She believes in her heart that he is the Messiah. And then I love this. And then she absolutely forgets about everything but him. She forgets about everything but Jesus. She drops her water pot in verse 28. She came to to, to put water in that thing. That's why she came. And then she just forgets about it and throws it away. And she just worried about what just happened to her and what she just experienced. And I love this this story because she meets Jesus and she absolutely forgets even why she was there that day. This man who moments before had meant absolutely nothing to her was now the focus of her thoughts and the focus of our actions. And I think that sounds a lot, a lot like you and I. That's how it works for everyone who meets him you truly meet the Lord Jesus Christ. You forget about everything else and you just want to please Him. You just want to live for Him and serve Him. One moment, He is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's some holy, distant man who died on a cross. But when faith is exercised in Him, He instantly becomes a personal friend. He instantly becomes the absolute focus and the center of our being. I don't know why it is, but a lot of times when we're before we're saved, a lot of us, not, maybe not all of us, but a lot of us even hate the thought of him. I think it's a lot because we only see the condemnation part of it. But now, after, that was before we got saved, we didn't want to hear about him. But now he's your best friend. He's my best friend. He's a friend. Proverbs depicts him as a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm glad that when you meet Jesus, you'll never be the same. Man, I love it. I love it. I love it. I've heard a lot of testimonies like this dear sister right here about how the Lord showed up in her life and, and blessed her with things that she didn't even know where it was coming from, but God showed up. But you know that I've never met anybody that had a testimony the opposite of that. I've never heard one. I've been in church all my life. I've heard thousands of testimonies. Not one time. I think this is amazing. I bet Brother Pope will probably say the same thing. I've never heard one testimony talk about how the Lord let them down. I've never heard. That amazes me that I've never heard anybody say that God had let them down. But I tell you what I have heard. I tell you what I have heard is when people needed him, that's when he showed up. Man, and when, in your darkest hour, you can count on the Lord Jesus being near. When you don't have a friend, I, when you don't have nobody in your life, you can depend on God being there for you. Hebrews said that he's never going to leave us and he's never going to forsake us. I'm glad. I'm glad that we've got a friend that no matter what you go through, that he's going to be there for you. And I'm glad to tell you, if you've met him tonight, you ain't ever going to be the same. You just get ready for it. You ain't ever going to be the same. I'm glad you may not understand. You said you're crazy. You just wait. You wait about five years and you give your life to Jesus. You give him everything you have, and five years you turn around and you look, man, what in the world? God happened to you. That's what happened. It's that simple. It ain't me. It ain't you. It's all because we've got a wonderful Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm glad if you meet the Lord Jesus Christ and if you give Him your heart and you believe in Him to be your Savior, you will never be the same. And we see that here in Mark 4. This lady, she meets Him. She forgets about everything else, and she's never the same. And I'm thankful for that. You know, it's apparent that His presence at the well made her kind of uncomfortable. But moments after salvation, she's running through the town with nothing but Jesus on her mind. That's all she's saying. You read the rest of the chapter. She goes and gets more people to come to him. God's salvation is amazing because it brings about such an instantaneous depth of change. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In verse 28, we see that she dropped her water pot. That water pot, you know what it represents? It represents the old life. That old life before you got saved. But she dropped it. She was changed. When a person truly gets saved, there will be a change. There will be a change. When you got saved, what changed? There's going to be a change. Now, I, now, it, in my life, you didn't see a change in my life. Because I was 17 years old when I got saved. You, you, you didn't see a change if you had known me. Because I was still going to church every time I, I was... Uh, I drugged to church pretty much. I went to church every time the door was open, before I got saved and after I got saved. I sang in the choir before I got saved and after I got saved. Because, so in your eyes, they really want to change. But man, can I tell you, at, before I got saved, my desires were wicked. I want wicked things and things of this world. But can I tell you that after I got saved, you might not have seen a change. But I can tell you that there's been a change inside. Because I don't desire the old things of the, past, of the world. I don't desire those things. I'm glad that when he saves us, he gives us new desires and new longings. All I desire is to please him and love him and work for him. You said she dropped her water pot. It reminds me, old TV show. Anybody ever seen I Love Lucy? I love love that show. I love it. I I watch it every chance I get. They don't make TV shows like that anymore. They they can't make clean comedy TV shows. It blows my mind. That's the funniest show one of them that's ever been. Andy Griffith and I Love Lucy. You can't top them. That's right. I was watching one the other day, and Lucy was sitting in her bedroom beside a window. She had a window open. It was the first very part, first part of the episode. She was sitting there reading, it was mi- reading a mystery book of something about who killed her. So I think that's what it was. I don't know, something to do like that. And, you know, Lucy, she's jumping anyway. And, he, and Ricky comes into the room and you know, he's loud. You know, he's he's loud and so he comes, Hey Lucy, how you doing? Well it scares I mean, it scares her to death. And she jumps like that right there, and that book that she was reading, she throws it out the window. And it made her mad. And uh I say that part because I gotta tell you the rest part. I promise this goes along with the message. I know you don't. I know you don't think it is, but any excuse I can have for telling our little Lucy story is fine with me. So the end of the end of the episode, I about said end of the message, end of the episode. We go. She's she's reading that book again after she had threw it out the window. She'd already had to go back out. It was raining when she threw it out the first time. She had to go out and she had to dry it off. And it was all crinkled. You know how paper gets. She was reading that book again at the end of that episode. And Ricky comes in, exact setting, same setting. It happens again. And Ricky comes in, and he jumps. She jumps, throws that book back at the window. And Ricky says, why don't you just leave that book out there? And all of a sudden, she had tied a string around her wrist (laughs) and tied a string around that book because she knew that was probably going to happen again. And there goes Lucy pulling that book back up there. And she pulled it right back in, and she started reading it again. You say, why in the world? Why in the world would you tell that story? We see that in verse 28 of John 4, she drops her water pot and she runs off to the city and she runs back and tells all kinds of people about what God had done for her and what God, how God had changed her life, changed her desires and said, you come see a man. That's what she told him. Come see a man. But you know, a lot of people, I believe, they drop that water pot, that old life. Remember what I said it they drop that old life. They drop that water pot. Men, they're on fire for God. And they're ready to do something for the Lord. And they go and start sharing the gospel and tell them, come see a man. Come look at this man that changed my life. Come on, come see him. And there, something comes in their life. And something kind of derails their faith a little bit. And derails their Christian walk a little bit. And gets them a little farther. And they might have threw that water pot off. But they begin to start feeling that wrist. Just like Lucy did. And they start feeling that string. And here comes that water pot back up. And they're pulling that book back up off that window. And then that water pot they get it right back. That I'm telling you that's the truth. That that old life you thought when you get saved you're ready to do something for the Lord but you, you don't, you got to stay faithful in this walk of life. Because if you don't you're still human. You still have flesh and blood. You still have a sin nature. And you will you will take steps back in your Christian walk and you'll just keep walking back and you, before you know it, you got that water pot back on your shoulder and you're ready to go get you some water again but that water pot ain't supposed to be on you. You watch this lady. She drops it. She never goes back to it. You don't see her go back and get it because that's her. that was done with. She don't even care about that. She just wants to see somebody get, meet Jesus and get saved. And I say that say, I said that to say this. You will have new desires just like that woman did in John 4. You will have new, a new life Amen. as long as you leave that water pot over there. Right. But if you, keep, if you bring that water pot back into the picture, you bring those old desires back in the picture, right. you bring that old, those longings that you had when you were not saved, you bring those back in the picture. And just because you're saved, that does not mean, that don't mean that you're not capable of sinning. The book of Romans says that our flesh is utterly depraved. And man, our flesh is capable at any moment of bursting forth and committing any sin imaginable. And you've got to be careful to leave that water pot alone. But I'm glad when we meet Jesus, we've got to change that takes place. So we see that this pure faith is simple faith. It's sincere faith, and I'm almost done. Thirdly, I want to show you that pure faith, the basics of our faith is sharing faith. After she is saved, the first thing this woman wants to do is go and tell somebody else. She wants to go get somebody else and bring him to Jesus. She ran back to town to the crowd who knew best. They knew her best about what she used to be. And, and she brought them back to Jesus, verse 28 and 29. Not only did she tell them about him, she invited them to come see a man. They didn't just, she didn't, man, Lord sure is good. no. Come on, you got to come meet this guy. You got to come see what he did for me. You got to come over here. And he's still out there, is what what she's saying. What he did for me, he'll do for you and he'll do for others. It must have done some good, too. Because if you study it out, several of those men believed because of her witness, and others came to know Christ. Really, if you look on down in the rest of the chapter, that town turned around for the glory of God. And it really started with that woman going back and bringing them to Jesus and telling them, come see a man, come meet a man. This woman had the kind of testimony that many times we like to parade across the platform and show off. She had one of those spectacular testimonies, a life saved from the absolute bottom, saved from the the bottom as you could go. In this case, the Lord took one of the vilest sinners of the town and used her to bring that town back to him. It was a vile, one of the most vile sinners that lived in that town. He used her. And that, man, that should be a blessing to you that don't matter what your past tells, the story of your past. Once the blood of Jesus covers those sins, it doesn't matter. What sins are you talking about? That's what that old psalm says. I don't remember them anymore. He's cast them as far as East is from the West. And he don't, it don't matter what you did before you got saved. God can still use you. And the blood that covered your sins, He can use your life just like He used this woman to turn this town upside down and turn this church into a whole new church and, and, and blow the seams out of this place. God can use the violence of what used to be sinners. Man, I'm thankful. No matter what you've done, the blood covers it all. And I'm thankful for that. But you know, a lot of times we say that, and I'm moving... We, I struggled with this as a young person because I wasn't the vilest. I really wasn't. I never, I never drank alcohol. I, I, I didn't get into drugs. I didn't get into that lifestyle. I used to sit back and, and, and hear testimonies about how God saved them from, from the bottom, just like this lady. It would discourage me is what it would do because I thought I didn't have a testimony because I didn't get saved out from the bottom. But can I tell you tonight that if you're saved, you've got a testimony. If you've been saved by the good grace of God, you've got a testimony tonight. God changed my life. And just like He changed this woman's life, He changed my life. He did not change your life. He did too. He saved me from a life of drunkenness. He saved me from... He didn't necessarily save me out of it, but he saved me from some stuff. And I'm thankful that I don't have to experience that because I've been saved by the good grace of God. You say, he didn't change your... Hey, the devil had plans for my life, but God changed them. When I got saved, God changed the plans the devil had for me. My life's been changed. So it don't matter what side of the road you're on. If you may have lived in the world for years, or maybe you've been living on a church pew and been saved off a church pew. You've got a testimony tonight that God can use. This woman had a testimony. She went back to those that knew her. Hey, Amen. I don't think you ought to just hang around them all the time. But you need to go back to those that knew you before you got saved and tell them about what God did for you. But also, man, if you've been saved from a church, well, you've got a testimony tonight. You've got a testimony. This woman, we see pure faith, simple. It was sincere. She met God and was never the same. And she was, had a sharing faith so i ask you tonight do you remember the day when you met the lord i'm glad i remember the day when i met the lord do you remember the change that took place maybe nobody else seen it but you know the desires in your heart changed and lastly have you shared it lately have you shared what god has done for you a lot of times we talk about everything else but what god has done for us lately man it's about, it's high time we start sharing what god is doing for us amen we see getting back to the basics thank you preacher Amen. our heads tonight. Wow, what a
1: great message, man! Oh, man, what a great message tonight. And we're gonna let, let's all stand to our feet tonight. I'm gonna ask my wife to just play a good invitation song this evening. And and if God spoke to your heart and you need to come, listen, the altar's wide open tonight. You know, it could be we've we've had this happen before. It could be there might be somebody here on a Wednesday night that's never been saved. You've never been born again. It's very possible. And if you're here this evening and you say, preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure, like Brother Jeremiah was preaching tonight, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there may be one here like that tonight and you'd say, preacher, would you remember me? Would you pray for me? and I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down the aisle I'm not going to do that but I'll tell you what I would like to do I'd like to pray for you and you'd say pastor if I died tonight I'm not sure I'd go to heaven would you remember me? you'd pray for me you'd slip your hand up right now is there one like that anywhere? you'd raise your hand tonight and say preacher would you pray for me? if I died I'm not sure I'm saved would you pray for me? well with our heads bowed and our eyes closed if God spoke to your heart why don't you come tonight you know what maybe you've, maybe you've sort of reeled that water pot back in like brother Jeremiah was preaching tonight You're, you say, preacher I'm saved but I've sort of let some things happen and I've, I've sort of got attached to that worldly life again if that's the case maybe you need to come this evening maybe you need to rededicate your life back to the Lord what about it while we pause, just for a few moments, if you need to come, the altar's open, and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna wait. Pastor's going to make his way to the main floor, and if you need to come, the altar's open. You come tonight while we wait.